Hello and welcome to another edition of the Formula One Fans UK podcast. I'm Reese. I'm joined today by the only member of the team whose bedtime it has not gone past. Danny. Oh, it's me. <laughs> Even when there's two of us, we still make a bit of a balls up of the intro. Uh, we hope you're all doing well. Um, yeah, man. Hope you maybe enjoyed the race. Uh, it was a interesting one with not as much on track action. I think a lot of us would like busy quota 400,000 spectators there uh but not enough buses apparently as our resident american has informed me before we started recording it's rough out there rough out there what we'll do danny i think we'll just get straight into it mm-hmm. and we'll go through the order in reverse and we'll start with who i think is the unluckiest man in formula one at the moment pierre gasly oh yeah definitely definitely he's Oh, uh, just another race. He had another uh, great qualifying effort. It was running in the top 10, and car just gave way. I wasn't able to see what was his cause, but it was just really unfortunate for, for Gasly as he was having a strong race and, you know, the top eight at the time. Um, but yeah, yeah he, I mean, he had, he had the issues before the race with the engine, and then in the race he retires with, I think it was suspension. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we are filming we are recording this straight after the race the podium has just finished um be interesting to see how this turns out um next up was esteban ocon who he qualified well again just he had a bad race was it he was caught up in term a term one incident wasn't he um he was he was jammed up a bit and he lost some positions um in the yeah, the turn one incident was it turn one? Or it might have been through the S's actually, where he got clipped by one of the Al- Alphas. Yeah. yeah, that. If we can talk real quick about that first lap, uh, all up and down the grid was just was a stellar first lap, one of the best. Um, and yeah. just up and down the grid, it was just nonstop action. I would have loved to have been at the stands and uh, to see that because um, it was really, really exciting to see on TV. A lot of things going on. Yeah, it was action everywhere you looked. It was a, definitely one of the best first laps uh, we, we've seen in a long time. Lewis got a great start. Verstappen also, but I think it was 0.4 of a second was the difference, or 0.04 of a second was the difference in the reaction time, which is nothing. But it was enough. Just a slight little tinge. Great, yeah, great start. Great start by those two. But we'll mm. get with them later. Yeah. Um... Our final DNF for the race was Alonso. He started at the back, worked his way forward, forced Raikkonen off the track, complained about Raikkonen overtaking him after forcing Raikkonen off the track, then dive-bombed Giovinazzi, forced Giovinazzi, and then forced his way through, Mm -hmm. claimed that he did nothing wrong, gave the position back to Giovinazzi before Giovinazzi then ended up doing the exact same and giving the position. It was um oh it's a weird one for Fernando Alonso. It's like he didn't care about the rules. No, it, and that's been going on since uh, Abu Dhabi 2018. Um, the move on Raikkonen, I I I couldn't believe he got on on the radio immediately and and complained. It, it, you know anybody could see that action on the track knew that Kimi had nowhere to go and still tried to make the the turn was ahead of him the whole time and immediately Alonso got on the radio. The Giovinazzi one, I, I, very unfortunate for, for Gio. I think that should have gone his way. Uh, but I guess enough uh, complaining from Alpine and, and Fernando gave that to him. But yeah, I felt like he pushed him out a little bit out there um, on the turn 12. But it was a bit of a karma of him, you know, retiring from the race. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, th- those two free laps of drama between... Alonso and Giovinazzi is going to result in at least one hour worth of Netflix material. Oh, definitely. Definitely. To me, two... We're going to have two seniors going at it. It's going to be on Netflix. It's going to be a whole episode dedicated to old drivers and how they get still relevant in this uh, in this series. Some Coming from someone who's relevant to someone who's not really relevant, Formula 1, Nikita Mazepin. Who's that? <laughs> Who's that? No. He actually had uh, fans. He had fans. I, I find it hard. Were they well, Haas fans or 
No, no, listen, listen. They were American. They must have been related to Haas or the team or something like that. Because how does Mazepin have fans in America just like that, a fan club? But it's true. But he just... I mean, there's cult followings. But that was I mean, there's ridiculous. cult followings of drivers. I don't know how you can follow somebody who's in 20th place who's like a minute 14 behind his own his own teammate. I just don't know. He's not fit to be in Formula 1. Awesome. God, I try to give him. I try to give him the benefit of the doubt. He did have a decent F two, but shit, he's, he's bad. What's the point in Nikita Mazepin in Formula One? I, I honestly don't know. He's like um, Rio Rio Harianto bad. Yeah, that that's probably the modern comparison. Roberto Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old man in 2015. Yeah, oh, they were just. I mean, at least Will, at least Will Stevens challenged for points once <laughs> in a race where I mean, it was a race. He finished, he finished twelve just outside the Ponts in a race where thirteen cars finished, and the other was, I'm pretty sure, the other manner that was behind him. <laughs> he, you know, he give credit to Will Stevens, even though he didn't cut it out for F1, he still has a very good endurance career. He's a really good endurance driver, so big up to him. I mean, there's been some endurance drivers that have come to Formula One that just haven't had haven't had a chance. Brendan Hartley. Brendan Hartley, yeah. <laughs> Best mate, Brendan Hartley. Got some respect on the man's name. <laughs> Alonso. Um, hey, br- yeah. new drop, young driver. You know, oh, yeah, there. that young Alonso was, well, he was showing his inexperience today. Um, <laughs> moving up to Mick Schumacher. Quiet race, really. Didn't see too much of Mick. But he uh, he sort of found a way up the order more through luck than judgment with uh, Latifi, o- uh, Latifi, Ocon and Stroll sort of wiping each other or getting involved in incidents. And he held that position for a fair bit of time before just naturally dropping down the order in a slower car. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, he's doing the best he can for that team. <laughs> the loss is horrible, horrible. But uh, he did play a he did play a crucial part in the end of the race. He was the last car that uh, Max and Lewis had to pass. He was the last back marker, and um, he got out the ver- the way for Max first, and I think he stayed out for Lewis to pass him in between turn nineteen yeah. and turn twenty. So um, you know, good driver. But you he's know, good decorum. He's a well-behaved driver, and he doesn't do blocking, unlike Mazepin in qualifying, who, I mean, I will admit, I fell asleep in qualifying. It was late over here. It was 10 o'clock start, and I I was already tired. Um, But what I did see was Q1 and Mazepin blocking Vettel, and I've never seen Vettel get that angry, or haven't seen Vettel get that angry in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, it. Was good to see some some fire from Vettel, but that yeah, that was um, that was really cheeky to do that during qualifying, especially in those S turns in that section. I mean, it's always dangerous to sit on the racing line, but it's especially dangerous when you've got such a fast left right left section, or right left right even in this case. Up the order, Latifi, he got caught up in that um, incident with Lance Stroll turn one. He came on the radio and said straight away he was sandwiched by the Hasses. And I mean, Mazepin pitted at the end of that one, so you can tell which uh, Hass might have hit him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's such a shame. Uh, both Canadians kind of ruined their race there. Um, mm. But uh, remember, Stroll started 12th, I think, right? 12th or 11th? Uh, he was 12th or 13th, I think. I think Ockham yeah. was 11th. And Latifi was 15th? So Latifi had a, had a good jump. Yeah. You know, he had a really good start of the race, but it's how you come out of the first turn and that will, you know, settle your day. Yeah. Yeah. Just didn't get anywhere really with it. It was um, one of those ones that if you have a lap one incident and you're at the back, you come out of the pits, you're further back, and you... I mean, he had a little battle with Ocon. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Coda's a track. Not the battles they wanted. Yeah, Coda's a track where um, if you go 
if you're you're stuck in the back, you're stuck in the back. It's not as easy. I know it has a long straight, but it's not as easy to um to come up, um, make positions. It's a very hard track for that. But um yeah, once you're you're in the back there, it's it's game over. But I think that also is the, the state of modern F one as well. You you've gotta have cars that can follow each other a little bit better. And I mean we'll get onto that later in the race. Oh, later in the race, later in the podcast. Um, we'll step up to Mr. Saturday. Despite his engine penalties that were incoming, he still managed to find time to put a time in that got him out of Q1. Mm-hmm. Battled up. Got as high as 13th, I think it was, before yeah. sliding back down to 14th eventually when faster drivers caught up. Uh, I mean, he's climbed up a little bit because of uh, Alonso's retirement, but you sort of race you expect from a Williams. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was going to say that. An expected race from Williams. But I feel like it's, it's an expected race from Russell being able to maximize the performance of that car and come up with a great result, a, a good result. Um, definitely see his pedigree. Well-deserved um, seat at Mercedes next year where he can use his talents. But today he did the best he can at Williams. And, and um, good for him good weekend next up is the old man you wanted to talk about Kimi Raikkonen the original Iceman the original yeah it's just a shame you know driving top 10 on the discord chat we were talking about possibility of him being driver of the day and that first section that first sector it just all went away from him at that spin really unfortunate you know he was uh he won there 2018 right yeah and he seemed to have good pace today you know to pull that alpha which wasn't that stellar over the weekend but to come up and and be in the top 10 all race and just to have it slip out of your hands that's got to be frustrating for a veteran like Kimmy mm. yeah i have to agree with that uh, he, I mean, it all looked like he was having a great race. I mean, he, I, I, I couldn't fault the move on Alonso. And then the late spin, it just ruins your race. And there's not much more to say about that. Um, up to Lance Stroll, 12. Good recovery, I guess, from his first lap spin. Yeah. One thing I, one thing I noticed, and I think this is just because of how bunched up and crazy for the opening laps of Grand Prix are. He spun around and by the end of lap two or three, he was three seconds off the pack again. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Uh, he had a he had a decent weekend. Decent result. The, his um, his car was, was built for this race on his side of the garage. Not so much for Vettel. But, um, yeah, it's just a shame. Mm. He felt... They, and and they, what's a home race? Well, think about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, you know, he got to see his family for the first time in two years. And supposedly, supposedly his... his um, He was in a great mood. His energy was high. He was you know, excited to be there. And it just... Unfortunately, he had that first, uh, first turn incident. Kind of ruined his race. Mm. I and mean, it was a good fight back, but you don't get points for finishing outside the top 10. No. And uh, speaking of guys who finish outside the top 10, Giovinazzi has assumed his usual position of being the new Gutierrez and finishing 11th. Number 11. Mr. 11. <laughs> Mr. 11. I mean, Giovinazzi's contract must be on the line because he started finishing 11th again. He's probably resigned. Who knows? Maybe uh, Hertz isn't coming to uh, Sauber, Alfa Romeo, slash Andretti, slash whatever they want to call themselves next year. The Swiss team. Mm. Um, yeah, good for Giovinazzi. Eleventh place. Um, kind of took, you know, did the best that he could. Got the most out of he could from that Alpha. Um, but um, it's a nice battle seeing between him, seeing him and Vettel go at it, and Vettel ultimately overtaking him. But um, you know it's just it's just frustrating. The points were with Kimmy, and 
Hopefully we'd have somebody like Jimenez to be able to pick up the scraps. I just didn't work that way for them this week. I think before we move on, we might as well address the the rumors with is it is it Andretti, Andretti Andretti looking to buy out or buy a large chunk of Sauber? Yeah, yeah, I guess um, that seems to, the way to do it. Um, to enter Formula One is right now. Look at Lawrence Stroll and how he was able to buy a struggling team like Force India that went into administration and and got it at a reasonable price. He got a good deal out of it, and now he's got himself a really good team. I know Aston Martin's not looking so good this year, but that has um, their facilities are being upgraded. Wind tunnel um, software is all being upgraded. They're getting um, they're able to hire more people. They've been bringing in. Um, people from Red Bull and from Mercedes, from last I heard. So they, they're building themselves up. It's very similar to um, when Red Bull came into the scene back into uh, after Jaguar in 2004, 2005, something like that. Um, you're starting to pick up that sense of environment. And um, I feel like Vettel is a good person to have, kind of like a David Coulthard was for Red Bull when he joined Red Bull. Um, so going back to the Andretti, I feel like Sauber is that same situation. Well, you can come in, somebody with big money, who can buy this team. They already have a, a, a great wind tunnel. Um, and they have a decent engine Ferrari. And with, with, the, with the changes next year, it, mm. and having a top driver like Valtteri. Valtteri is no slouch. He had a great race today. Um, yeah, I know he was in the back. but Oof, we are going to disagree on that. Okay, well, but Valtteri at least can bring an experience to that team in Sauber. And he's very... He's not old. He has, you know, he has experience. Now, Sabers, um, it's uh, very enticing with Andretti, and he might buy it. We don't know. There's nothing confirmed yet. But if Andretti does buy Sauber, then Herta is probably gonna follow with him. And um, I think the the review on that is kind of mixed here in the states. Some people want Herta to stay, and and obviously some people look at drivers like Grosjean, Magnussen, who are top drivers, but who couldn't make it an F1, and they fear that Herta will, will be the same way. So, okay, Well, I think because, I mean, our listener base is sort of split between the UK and the US. Um, not everyone's going to be too familiar with any Can you give us a bit of a background on Colton Herta? Um, young, one of the youngest uh, IndyCar winners. He actually won at Coda. 2019 i can't remember yeah he he's got a lot of talent um he's really young i think he's only 20 21 years old so you know he's um he's definitely a, a, one of the very talented drivers that indycar has to offer uh there's a lot of good talent in indycar um and um i, I feel like he'll represent indy going to formula one yeah he's not gonna have the instant success as uh jacques villeneuve had um almost 30 years ago. But um, I feel like he does go into Sauber and takes a year. We, we might see something out of him. At least uh, at least better than Scott Speed, I hope. <laughs> oh, God. Can't be. That's, a, that's another one to throw in the uh, the Roberto Mary, Rio Harianto bucket, that one. Yeah. Um, before we get into the top 10, we'll um, quickly just take a moment to say this uh, podcast, like always, is sponsored by Apex Tracks. For all your 3D printed track wall art needs, head to apextracks.com. That's A-P-E-X-T-R-A-X-S dot com. Um, they're a company that we all like. And speaking of companies people like, Red Bull, Danny. They um they look popular there, but why? Because it's always been a Hamilton fan base out there. Yeah. They love brands. Americans love branding. And uh, I can guarantee you, that over 50% of Americans will think that Red Bull is an American brand. Um, they have no idea about the history. They just know they can go to their local gas station and buy cans of Red Bull. They can go to the Walmart and they can use their food stamp card to pick up a case of Red Bull. So, yeah, Red Bull does have a following in the United States. They do, and um, they big big following. And you see somebody like Max, the name Max. Yeah, Americans, they, they love to live to the max, quote-unquote. So I think that's a underrated, uh, you know, uh, there's an underrated following. You guys here. are slogans are the worst. Oh, you, yeah. you guys are slogans are the worst. <laughs> but I would also say this, and not to be super controversial, 
not to be super controversial, but with Hamilton in the past couple of years and his social awareness, race as one, kneeling, you know, him obviously wearing a controversial shirt. It's like cops killed Breonna Taylor last year at, uh, at the Tuscan Grand Prix. There's, as we all know, there are some Americans here. Most of them are race fans that don't like that stuff. And they will instantly start to complain that you shouldn't mix politics with sports. Well, I, I absolutely think that's wrong and that's nonsense. Um, you use your platform and where you go. And um, so I do feel that Lewis has lost some of that, some of that fandom mm. here in the United States. Um, just because of his opinions and his support into minority causes. So, um, you know, I'm not, I am not saying that it's because due to racism or, or prejudice and stuff like that. But I feel like Americans, they would, they re- relate more to Red Bull as a brand than to Mercedes-Benz as a brand. They see Mercedes-Benz as like the, ooh, the high-end, high-class and and that sort. Mm. Uh, while, while we're just bringing it up, I'd say the the reception of the, the We Racers one got, the kneeling and the, uh, the individual sort of stance that the drivers took, that got a good reception from fans at the start of the race. So uh, that was yeah. that was good to see. Yeah, but we'll we'll get we'll get into the top ten with Seb Vettel and his absolute highlight, other than uh, a certain not moving out the way quick enough. Um, the move on George Russell was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what turn was that in? Uh, it was round your. It was round your mimicking of turn eight in Istanbul. It was your right. It was your right hand of multi apex. Oh yeah, yeah. Turn um turn eighteen, seventeen, eighteen. Yes, yeah, it. Yeah. You know Vettel, great weekend. You know he's um, God, I, I couldn't stand him in Ferrari. I couldn't stand him giggling on the radio saying we won at their house, we won at their house when he won in 2018 in Silverstone. That stuff just uh, it got on under my skin. But look at him now in the in the pre-race uh, parade lap, announcing to the to the fans, you know, please don't litter, pick up after yourselves. You know, just that I'm just like, man, I, I want this guy to to do great. You know he he's such a he's such a great human being, and he's such a great driver. Um, yeah, we can we can hate on him all we want, but we have to be honest. The old days. And, yeah, we have to be honest. Vettel is a legend of the sport. Yeah, he won't be top five driver, but uh, you know he's just a a good human being and um, just a good driver. So first of all, I want to say you know <laughs> shout out for him on. On reminding the fans to to clean up after the damn selves, but then on the race, uh, you know he was he was feisty. He he had the grip between his teeth. He was on that radio after that qualifying session on on when Mazepin cut him off and, and during those S's, and he was quickly on the radio like, what you know, what are we doing here? It, it just it was kind of refreshing to see hear that from Seb, you know. That, that bit of fight that's sort of gone missing since the Ferrari days. It was definitely back this weekend. Yeah. Um, another thing that was back, back this weekend was a uh, Yorsonoda hype train. He was hype. He's, uh, he's ha- he, he was good this weekend. He had a clean w- yeah. race weekend. Probably is second or third in F1. I mean, he's not had too many where it's just gone well all weekend. But this weekend was definitely one of those. And let me let me just say this. He had a great, I, I believe, I know he was outside of top 10 in, in Turkey, but he held his nerve in holding back Hamilton in the wet for several laps. And he did that again today with Valtteri. Um, just mm. a great drive. Maturity's kicking in. I hope next year he goes into AlphaTauri, challenges Gasly or whoever's there, and, you know, just put, yes, picks yes. up solid points, picks up solid points for AlphaTauri and gets re-signed on merit, you know, not with, without the Honda backing. Um, he feels like mm. it feels like he he's got it, you know. He's driving smart races. He he's not he's not dirty. Yeah, he's not a dirty driver. He's he he seems smarter than than what we've given credit for. He's hot headed, but it, he he's got yeah. it. He's got talent. Yeah, Max Max was a hot headed driver 
in his early early days still is in a way but you know <laughs> um <laughs> so you know I'm not I'm not comparing Yuki to Max but it's just it's just good to see that but talk about Yuki and Max um at the end of the race well not towards the towards the end of the race Yuki was holding him up that was it uh, was I that was du- crazy. I dubbed him the I dubbed him the anti-seb in the uh, in a Discord because he just yeah. did the opposite. He 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 held up Verstappen after Seb had held up Lewis. Um, <laughs> yeah, he held them up. One th- when you were saying you were talking about Yuki and Max, I I thought you were going to be talking about the little um, Honda pickup or whatever you guys call Honda out there. Um, there was a little pickup advertisement that was going around. I'm not sure if you saw it where the uh, the Alpha Tauri and Red Bull drivers were all there, standing at the back of the pickup, and they got Yuki, they got Yuki Tsunoda to get under the under the um, I don't know what you'd even call it. What's what's the bit of a truck where it the the flat of the tr- the pickup? Yeah, the camper set part. The camper. Yeah, part. The, they lifted up the base of the the, and they got Yuki Tsunoda to climb underneath. Oh Jesus Christ! I gotta see that. I'm gonna YouTube it later. It's gotta be on. That's hilarious. Was, I've had a very vivid dream. Well, that happened, and it was. <laughs> It's quite interesting. When I mean, Yuki Tsunoda's being trashed by his own social media quite a bit for his height. Um, uh, even, the last racer. It's... Not even by the by his own team, but Martin Brundle always when he replay the race. It happened several times when the camera was on Yuki, but he would say, "Oh, a little uh, a little scrap's going on here with Yuki." He would use the word "little" or any kind of short <laughs> word, you know, meaning shortness for Yuki. He does that all the time. Um, I'm surprised Yuki hasn't gone to Brundle and <laughs> and and you know. Be like, well, you say that it'd be like Scrappy Doo starting a fight. <laughs> hey, don't sleep on Yuki. Don't sleep on Yuki. 120 pounds of Japanese power and 80 pounds of that is race suit. <laughs> Um, moving on to 8th place Lando Norris it's one of those weird races where he is outperformed by um, by Ricardo but even when he's outperformed he's still pulling it in the top 10 even if he is at the bottom of the the third place constructors battle this time yeah yeah pretty pretty rough day for him um, this has been a couple races now in a row where Ricardo is has beaten him, Italy, Turkey, and um, now Coda. Oh uh, yeah, I wonder what's going on. I wonder what's going on. Maybe the do long, the, the length, I don't know what's going on with that. That's that's weird. Do you think it's Do you think it's a hangover from Sochi? Because of course, what's happened in Istanbul and what's happened today, they are the two races that have followed what happened in Sochi. I, I don't know. I I feel like maybe there's something that we don't know about engine-wise with the battle that McLaren has with Ferrari and telling Norris to, you know, maybe preserve his engine or something like that. But there just seems to be no no pace coming from Lando's side. Um, you know, he, he can stick with them for a couple laps, but then he'll start losing a quarter of a second here, half a second there, and before you know it, he's six, seven seconds behind. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a rough race for him because we obviously saw Ricardo have a great race, a lot of good battles, good battles with signs that we'll talk about later. But um, yeah, it's just it's been great to see Lando up there. Hmm. I think that's the uh, that's the thing, Lando. I think everyone wants him to be up there and always wanting him to do well because he is a McLaren driver and that's that British bias. Alonso. Sometimes, sometimes it can't be your. Sometimes it can't be your race. Yeah. And uh, this is one of those ones. Uh, let's yeah. See who's next? Carlos Sainz was next. Yeah. Carlos Sainz in seventh place. I mean, he had some battles with Ricardo Norris on lap one, and there was a a strange moment where he was overtaken by Lando and Ricardo, or one or the other, one got past, one didn't, and he went off the track. He rejoined, gained a position, 
and then let Ricardo through when apparently it was Norris he was supposed to let through. He said that he let Ricardo through on purpose because he passed the McLaren or kept position with McLaren going off the track, and it was a bit of a, a messy situation. Yeah, yeah, very, very messy. I, I feel like just let them race on that part. They were going three wide. Lando went on the inside, was super aggressive. He almost got caught up to Leclerc, um, who seemed like he was taking forever to, to make that corner, uh, turn 12. Um, but yeah, you know, Lando stayed inside, gave Sainz enough space, but Sainz still had Ricardo to his side. So he was, you know, what what can you do? It's racing, especially with like the first two laps, I think. I don't think it was in the first lap. I think it was in the second lap. Yeah, he he gave the spot, the position back to Ricardo. You know, he shouldn't have because the position somehow was belonged to Lando, but Lando wasn't there. I don't. I don't know. I, that was just so so weird. Um, at the end, you know, Ricardo benefited from all that, um, and um, yeah, just a decision that definitely impacted uh, Sainz' race. I feel like. Yeah. One thing that was nice. I mean, Carl Sainz was one of the first ones that you sort of pick up on it. The grid walk was back. Did you yeah. get the grid walk in the states? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We I okay. So on our uh, my local cable provider had the race on. Well, it's on ABC Network. So ABC is you know is yeah. one of the basic channels um, throughout our country, and um, I also have the F1 TV app. So I had the F1 app on my phone, and I had ABC slash Sky on my TV. So um, uh, you know I. Very rarely ever get that, and it felt good to to have that. <laughs> but again, the grid walk was there, and I was able to see Brundle his his interesting. He was moments on with, fire. Yeah, who was the who was the rapper he spoke to? Megan the Stallion. It that was phenomenal. Megan. When and, he asked her a question, she's talking back. They're all happy. They're all talking. He goes to ask another question. Someone goes up to him and says, you can't do that. And he just responds, well, I can because I just did. <laughs> so, so quick side note, my, my, wife has actually, my wife has actually met that, um, that rapper, Megan Thee Stallion. Um, we can go out later. But yeah, so my wife has met her before. So that's like my two degrees of separation to Megan Thee Stallion. But um, she actually, she's a very, um, from my wife's experience, She's a very personable person. She's very friendly. Yeah, she has. She's a rapper, and you know, she's a um, she's a star. She's famous, but she's actually a very friendly person. You can see that from the interview because when Brenda went to interview Serena, it was like ah, uh, I don't know. Serena kind of played it off as really dumb and just kind will of. It will it be a will it will it be an ace or will it be a double fault? I think <laughs> <with his first. laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, it was a double fault. <laughs> but yeah, it's it just um. You know, Brundle means well. And um, to see Megan Thee Stallion interact in that split second, I was like, oh, man, we're going to get something great. I wish it, I wish they kept on going because uh, she's very uh, she's very out there. She's very eccentric. And um, I'm sure it would have made for a, a viral moment. Um, but it was it was up there with one of the best grid walks. I think it's probably because the absence makes the heart grow fond of it. Yeah. It was fantastic when he... I think when he accidentally walked into one of her, one of her bount, uh, one of her entourage, and the guy was built like Shaquille O'Neal, who was also, at the thing, and she's like, "No, no, it's fine, it's fine, let it carry on." Yeah. And he had this little, he had this little white guy going, "No, no, no, you can't talk to her." I was like, "This is just quite funny. <laughs> this is quite funny." Um, and he, he he then went out to he went out to Rory McIlroy, yeah, at, who's a Man United fan, and asked them how they did. And he said, well, not too well. And I think Man United lost 5-0 uh, five ni- five today. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Rory McIlroy said he got off the plane in the time he took... Um, the fun fact, in the time it takes you to get off the plane or from the airport to Cota is the same amount of time it takes Liverpool to score four goals against Man United. Which the, which the airport is like less than 10 miles away from, from the track. Um, but yeah, that's rough. You know, Saleh, he, uh, hat trick, he scored a hat trick and they scored five goals. So big ups to them. Big ups to, uh, to Chris. I hope you're listening, buddy. You know, thank you for the flag. And myself. 
Oh, and you thought, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, well, there. Yeah, yeah, I think this is why Dan isn't here tonight. Dan's probably just hiding because he thought he might have seen me and, me is and Chris. He a man and you, Dan, is he a Man U fan? Dan's a Man United fan, yeah. Really? Wow. That would have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we hear from him later. I'm sure we hear from him. While we're on the topic of five, we'll get on to Ricardo. Oh, no, sorry, we've got to do Bottas. I thought I'd link that in perfectly there, Dan. <laughs> um... We gotta do Bottas, Valtteri Bottas, um, butt ass, beef, <laughs> butt ass. Yeah, <laughs> you said you thought he raced well. Yeah, he had a decent race. I can't think that. I mean, he went from ninth to sixth mm-hmm. in a car that is the second fast car, second fastest car in Formula One. Mm-hmm. He spent most of the race. Not only did he get stuck behind. Sonoda for a while. He got overtaken by Gasly and was held up by Gasly. Mm-hmm. Bottas is moving to a midfield team where it's all going to be about racecraft in the midfield, and I don't think he's got that. He's going to be the, to new... the level that he need. <laughs> I think he'll be forced out and down. Yeah, he's going to be the new Mister Eleven. I feel like he's going to take over that crown over uh, Giovinazzi. He... He thinks he's replacing Raikkonen, and no, he's replacing Giovinazzi. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think he had a, a good race. Um, I'm not going to say the best race. But, um, yeah, it could have been better, obviously. It could have been better. Um, if, you know, if he was up in the top with the top guys, with Perez and, and Max and Lewis, you know, we probably would have had a different result, maybe. But, yeah, it is what it is. Um... Austin Coda is like I said before. It's not an, it's not a, you know it's not an easy track to pass. You you do have that long straight. It's pretty much your only opportunity, and also up to turn one. But he he suffered from that, and um, you know just great driving mm-hmm. from Gasly. I know he retired, but Gasly is on another level. He's been that way yeah. since since he was demoted from Red Bull. Um, I still hold him as my choice as a Mercedes driver once Lewis retires. Um, but, um, you know, I, th- I think that's the best he could have done. Um, Leclerc up ahead was just untouchable. He was on an island out there in P4, and and Perez was P3, and there was no way, obviously, with Max and Lewis. But that's, mm. that's like a realistic result for Botas in this race. And I think he, he maximised his effort and maximised his result. Yeah. So we go back, now we can actually get on to Ricardo. I thought he was fantastic this weekend. and I, I He loves Cota, and you can tell. He loves Texas, yeah. I, I need to hear from Just, the Australians. Is uh, Perth, Texas, in that area, is that similar to Texas? Perth, Australia? Perth. Yeah, is Perth, Australia similar to Texas? Are they like cowboys out there or something? I mean, from what I've seen on Drive to Survive, it looks like he's just got a ranch. Right. Like, when he's out there. But I wouldn't have a clue. Well, yeah, he... The same clicks when he's there. Yeah. Yeah, he, he clicks. And um, this past week, leading up to the race, I was able to watch, going back to 2014, uh, USGP. I was trying to watch every race leading up to it. And um, he just does very good here. 2015, he, you know, he got up to the lead. Obviously, some bad pit decisions in the rain kind of drew him back. And But um, every every race, 2019 with Renault, um, the race where I was at, we had a, a great race. He, I think he ended up in six in that Renault that was really weak throughout that year. So mm. when whenever he's there in Texas, it's like a second home race for him. And he's uh, he's adopted that. And the people have adopted that from him. What was fantastic was him driving the number three Wrangler uh, Aaron Earnhardt car. That was amazing. Um, it, those cars are a little harder to drive, and I think he learned that. And you can see from his onboard, he did struggle a little bit. But um, the donuts were just amazing. And the <laughs> sound, even the sound, even something like me and my wife were just talking about was, you know, when we've gone to other races or – um, even out in, in the beach on the weekends, and most people take out their V8s, they'll take out their, you'll, you'll see Hemis out in the street, their, their Mustang, 69 Mustangs, whatever. 
just <laughs> that sound, that V8 sound is just is special. It's so special to me. Somebody that's, who grew up here, you know, born here, grew up here. I love that sound. I what my first car was a Ford Mustang GT, a V8 with a 302. And I would just sit in my car and rev the engine just to hear that that V8 growl. And it, it was so great to hear that. It, it was uh, like sex in my ears, literally. It, it was such an awesome, <laughs> awesome, awesome feeling. Awesome race. <laughs> uh, uh, you, I got to admit, like last year when Alonzo was driving Abu Dhabi, when he was, um, there was that one, one moment where Hamilton was being interviewed by Will Buxton and Hamilton just stops and he has to listen as that R25 is driving through that track and just that screaming howl from that, from that V10 engine on that RB25. And that's that same feeling. I, I it, it's just like, you know, it, it's just such a great sound. I love that sound. Love, love, love that sound. <laughs> i can i can imagine i i can smell like i was watching it um i can smell that rubber burning and the gas and everything from that car it was i wish i was there <laughs> <laughs> i've got to get my trailer full back and continue with a podcast here. um <laughs> p4 leclerc he was my choice of driver of the day I don't know why it went to Verstappen. I thought Leclerc was better. I thought Leclerc outdrove anyone who was in a car remotely close to him. And yeah, I, I felt Leclerc should have had driver of the day. I thought it was the best out there. Yeah, I'm with you on that one too, man. I'm I'm definitely with you on that one. Just looking at the race, I guess he didn't win driver of the day because Max won the race and and the Dutch loved you to know- vote. Max Max wants one driver of the day after crashing out on lap one, I think. So, oh, yeah, I can't remember what race was it happened. Uh, what race was it? Was it, I think last year maybe in Secure? No, that Checo won that race, so Checo got driver of the day. Yeah, but there was a race. You're right. Where Max was, yeah, probably Spa, <laughs> probably Spa 2019 or something like that. When we crashed in the first. Something like that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Get but yeah, Leclerc, you know, he is, he's still a top driver. He's still a top tier driver. He belongs in that conversation with Hamilton and Max. Um, obviously, their cars, the Red Bull and Mercedes, are way faster than the Ferrari. But what Leclerc is able to do, similar to what Russell's doing with that Williams, he's extracting the most, the uh, 100% out of that car. And you saw a great result in fourth place. Love it. Love it. Love it for Ferrari. I hate Ferrari, but whatever. I still love that result for them. Um, love that result for Leclerc. <laughs> and, um, you know, we we do need to see Ferrari continue to improve. Similar with McLaren. Make it a four. A four-team battle next year. That'd be, that'd be yeah. fantastic. That'd be fantastic. I mean, we're recording this in American time, really. And so... Uh... I hope for Dan's sake, he, I know he's a Man United fan, I hope he's not a Chicago Bears fan, because they've just gone down 34-3 in the first half. Um, <laughs> uh, the quarterback is uh, with Justin Fields, right? Yeah. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, be try- it's going to be 35 here after the extra point. My Steelers got a bye today, so... So have my Vikings. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's, not, it's, it's nice, it's nice, because... I mean, whilst we're going a bit off topic here... Uh, it's nice not to have my heart going crazy as a game comes down to the final play. Instead, I had a race coming down to the final lap. Yeah. Um, but before we can get to that, we have to talk about Sergio Perez. Yeah. It was like the old Verstappen podium when he wasn't fast enough to be with the Mercedes, but was fast, but was too fast for everyone else. Yeah. Formula One point two five. Yeah, I thought they if they were gonna if he was that far off the pace, what they should have done is was sacrificed him a bit harder, made it so Lewis couldn't have pit at all, or for whatever reason to um, try and undercut Max, and then gave it to the point where Lewis was never going to be able to get close. Um, I thought Perez drove a solid race though. I mean, you couldn't fault it. I mean, third place is third place, and he was never going to challenge the top two, and you could see that from what happened from turn three onwards because 
any driver that wasn't Verstappen's teammate would have gone past him. Yeah. Yeah, he um third place, he was he was a factor in that first stint. Um you heard Max on the radio, you know, call out to have Perez's um um you know, to have him compromise Lewis's um pit decision. And he effectively yeah. did, but after that, Perez was gone. Hamilton and Lewis kind of just left him in the back, left him, left him. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're right. He was just best of the rest and right place, right time. It would have been nice to see Leclerc maybe have a little more pace to have a nice little battle with him to keep it keep things honest. But uh, yeah. Perez did his job in that first stint, <laughs> which might have might have won, won Max the race. But um, yeah, just good, right place, right time. Yeah, I don't think the race was won at all until we got to that final stint. Uh, we'll move on to second place, runner-up, fastest lap. Um, to sort of numb the pain a bit, but Lewis Hamilton second. He's thirteen behind, thirteen points now behind, with five races to go. It's getting to that point where he needs to start winning to turn it around, and it's not going to be easy with Brazil and Mexico coming up. I'm struggling to get my head around how he can win this title now. Oh, Danny, you're jumping up a bit, down a bit, mate. We're having some technical issues. Danny, you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Can you hear me? One, two. I can hear you. This is where you might have heard Danny the entire time and you might have heard me the entire time, but that's because we're on separate audio recordings and we have editing magic. But yeah, Danny, I was talking about Hamilton trying to piece together how he can win this title. Can you hear me, Danny? Yeah, he has to. Yeah, I can hear. I can hear. I heard your question. Um, you know, he, um, it's going to be a tough 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 uphill battle for him um mexico max can pull up another win there um obviously they will play the team game heavily for max like ferrari levels team game with perez and max um <laughs> and hamilton botas is checked out he's not gonna he's not gonna put his effort to help lewis um so lewis is kind of left on his own on this one um, I, I still have yeah. hope. I still have, you know, there's still a chance. This is Lewis Hamilton. He is the greatest of all time. Um, yeah. If there's anybody can do it, it's him. Um, but yeah, he's had a steep hill to climb. There's Mexico next week um, or yeah, on two weeks. I mean, that's the next race. There's unknowns with Qatar and see how that will play out. But Abu Dhabi, if we remember last year, Max owned Abu Dhabi. And um, there was a, significant influence in that though that might have been called coronavirus there there was there was but i i i think um i think max really it's also the last race of the year you know who knows how much the other drive you know the other teams how much mercedes put effort into that but um i, I just don't think that's some but some a race that they should they need to take it serious well i'm sure mercedes will but, um, yeah, it's going to be hard for Lewis. He's got 13, yeah. 13 points behind. And today he just couldn't catch. And I, I've called for it a few times, but we just we need the new regulations in Formula 1. Because today we were like, yeah, we've got a grand set finish. He's going to get close. He's going to get close. We're going to have a battle on the last lap. Mm -hmm. And then when he got to around two seconds, he couldn't get tight. Because yeah. despite being so much faster and evidently faster through how quick he closed, regardless of what Sonoda was doing or not, when he got to those two seconds, sure, Max may save some tyres, but that doesn't justify for not being able to close up at all. Yeah, especially when you took two seconds and then you took four seconds off of the gap in less than four laps. So I, I, know, I know Hamilton... He was using his tires pretty heavily there, and Max was also caught up in traffic, very heavy traffic. But um, it was um, it was anticlimactic, you know. They it was being built up like you know the last three laps were gonna decide this race, and 
and it just didn't happen. It just it just fizzled out. It was such a shame. Um, you know, but yeah. You know, it seemed like Max maybe learned his lesson. He saved some tires left, and he was able to, I think, lap 55, 54, 55. He was able to build enough of a buffer. So if Hamilton ever did get back into DRS in the next lap or two, that wasn't going to make a big of a difference, and it worked. Um, so, you know, maybe yeah. it's another sign of maturity we saw from Max. We saw it last maybe. week when he settled for second place, and, you know, might see that, you know, probably came about again, and... You know, he's he, he probably knows that he's never been in this position before, but, you know, he's 14 points ahead. There's five races left. You know, it's time to maximize your points. Um, Lewis is going going to, you know, in the similar mold of every champion from the past, not to be dirty like Michael or even Senna, but, you know, he's going to he's going to do everything he can, as we saw in 2016 in, in that last race with Nico. So, you know. Max just has to be consistent, be smart, be cool about things and not hot-headed. And, uh, you know, he's in the driver's seat for sure. Well, let's talk about Max Verstappen then properly. I first of all want to give credit to Red Bull. I know personally I slate them a lot because I don't like how they conduct themselves off the track this season. But today on the track, they got it spot on. The strategy Mm -hmm. was perfect. And when you do that, you make your driver's life a lot easier and today they did that yeah they did 95 percent of the work with perfect strategy um but it's that five percent that's the hardest Mm. to get and that's where verstappen excelled uh and when he got to his last few laps where he had to keep the cool had to deal with the pressure of hamilton coming closer he was able to drive well and like i said the the hardest five the last five percent is the hardest to get and that's what verstappen had to do today he didn't have to do anything else he was smart this time unlike in silverstone he didn't have when he had lewis coming up the inside of him he realized i've got the better car this weekend which he had in silverstone i can back out here and i will get him later in the race whether it's on truck or track or for strategy this time he realized this time he didn't get over feisty and this time he didn't end up getting taken out of the race yeah yeah, he, there was definitely uh, that opportunity in, in turn one. And, um, you know, yeah, he did put pressure on, on Lewis. He went on to his racing line, but it wasn't egregious. It wasn't um, Singapore 2017, Vettel <laughs> pulling a move like that. You know, it, it was a smart move. It's a smart day for him. It was a smart race for him. He allowed Lewis to get back. He knew he was going to have that pace in the early part of the, uh, of the race. And, you know, he had Perez right with him. So, you know, he could, uh, the undercut was always going to be there in that situation. And it it just played in their hands. And it's just the benefit of having your teammate up there. And something mm. Lewis has had in the past, having Valster up there. He wasn't there this, this for most of the part of this year. He hasn't been there. And, and it just shows the importance. Like, yes, Lewis and Max are stellar drivers. They're... You know, they're some of the best, but their it, team... It is a real... You need their team. It, yeah, it's it's a real pros Senna situation. I mean, everyone says, oh, Lewis idolized Senna, but he is more of a Prost. He's methodical. He does the job well. Yeah. Verstappen is like Senna. He is brilliantly fast. He's hot-headed, though. And like, um, like Senna, say Senna in... Monaco, he's got that mistake in him where his head runs too hot and he doesn't think. And that is probably combined with a bit of good foot, well, other good bits, bits of good fortune is what's keeping Lewis in this hunt is Verstappen making these ill-judged decisions. You're not backing out in... Um, you're not backing out in Silverstone. You're incident in Monza where frankly for Verstappen is it's not a thankful thing anyway because he should Hamilton. be crashing with him but he took out Hamilton as well in that in that era mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and um you know it's always you know history eventually will get things right with the process center um situation I love uh center was is my one of my favorite drivers um when I got into f1 center was the driver that 
I was rewatching old races, documentaries from him and everything. But when you see Lewis, yes, you're right. Like you said, he, he says how, how much he looks up to Senna, but he's more of a Prost. Prost, he is like what, maybe less than 20 points away from being an eight-time world champion. And seriously, yeah, 84, Laudro beat him by half a point, maybe. Um, mm. He could have been world champion then. He could have been world, you know, he had a chance in 82 and 83. He had a chance in, he won in 85 and 86. He had a chance in 88. If 88 was modern rules, he would have won the 88 title over Senna. He won 89. Um, Senna crashed into him in 90. That would have been a world championship for him. Um, of course, we want to go after a character like Senna, because he was, you know, out of this world, you know, he was um, mm. a fiery driver, he was a driver's driver, a racer's driver, and and we don't give Prost that much credit to be methodical, similar to Nicky Laudamol, in, uh, in the Nicky Laudamol, yeah. you know, methodical, you know, okay, I didn't have a great qualifying, but how do I set myself up for the race? And well, I think that's why Lewis and Nicky were so close, because they were almost built from the same mold, and then you could also... With his showmanship, the fieriness, you could say you see James Hunt in Max Verstappen. <laughs> they've got they've they've these drive these rivalries that go through history. It seems to be always when it's a good one. It's that same mold. You've got the fiery driver and you've got the the professor. The you've got the one who's methodical. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's crazy because Hamilton Hamilton wasn't considered that. It, you know, 2007 till 2014, he wasn't considered the uh, methodical driver. He was considered a center mold, um, similar to Senna. You know, burnt through his tires. He gave every last ounce. And, yeah, he gained a lot of fans. And I remember when he went to Mercedes, they all thought that Rosberg was going to be the methodical one. Oh, Rosberg is a smarter driver. <laughs> He's with his engineers. All, you, you heard all that. But you saw where the success came, um, who the success went to, and it was Hamilton. And obviously when he continued evolving in 2017, you actually saw more of that Prost mold into Hamilton. Mm. Um, but Max is, you know, yeah, he is that James Hunt, that Prost. Um, you can even say we can go back to like a, a Jack Villeneuve kind of driver as well. Um, when Jack Villeneuve came into the scene in 96, you know, he mm. was he was electric. His rookie season was one of the best rookie seasons, probably the second best rookie season in Formula One. Um, Max fits, fits those molds. Um, and it's good. It's good for, for racing. Uh, it's good for Formula One because it, it creates it creates fans. Um, the Dutch fans are, are are great. I when 2019 when I went to, to Texas, I saw so many Dutch fans and they were they were amazing. They were all fun people. They were they were just having a good time and, you know, their undying support for Max. That's great. That's great to see. You know, I have that for Ma for Lewis. But um, mm. where it goes bad is when, you know, you have the leaders from each team and and they start throwing mud at each other. And it just and yeah. it shouldn't it shouldn't cross over into the fandom. You know, us as fans. You know, well, yeah, I think that's that's the thing. Of what happened earlier in the season was horrible. And that happened because fans will jump on anything to take it to the extreme. And if yeah. you did what Red Bull did, you, you, you've you got to remember you set an example. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, for Netflix, it would be great. However, Max Verstappen's not going to be on Drive to Survive this year. <laughs> which I think is an actual, I, I, some will say it's stupid, but I think it's a genuine advantage, this, because it's no distraction. You You hear... You see these Amazon documentaries where they follow a team for a year and they set, some of them say, oh, it was a huge distraction. Others will say it and just blend into the background. But it's one less thing to have to worry about and think about. And in a season like this, that could be the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you definitely see that distraction. Um, I think that manifests itself clearly with with Ferrari in their first year. And the season two of Drive to Survive, it just... Ferrari wasn't the same. They had a terrible year that year, and you had Netflix following around. They only featured them for like maybe like a race. So um, yeah, there is that. I mean, it was because they were cheating. Well, in yeah, the year well, before yeah, when they were yeah. good. So. Well, yeah, well, yeah, of course they they were cheating. They were big time cheating. But um, yeah, you just don't. I mean, no, sorry, Ferrari. You you weren't cheating, Ferrari. We forgot that you weren't cheating. You were 
well, we don't know, but Look, we can't say what yeah, it was exactly. because we you will can't. Never know. <laughs> no one can say. We, will we never know what know. it was. <laughs> Everyone knows. We just can't say what it was. Drip drip. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oil goes drip drip. <laughs> and with that, then I think we'll wrap it up. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, make sure you check us out on our socials. Hit the link up in the bio of the podcast. You'll see our store. You'll see everything in there. Everything in there goes to raising funds to keep us on the air, to keep uh, competitions going. We want to bring you guys some more of those next season. Hopefully, we can build up some funds, etc., and take things to the next level with what we do here. Uh, But until then, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Adios.